Hello, my name is Shane Eidelman, and I'm the pastor of Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California. It is my personal heart and goal for you to see truth through a biblical perspective. I hope that you enjoy this segment of Eidelman Unplugged. An important fasting recap. This is an important fasting recap of a lot of the things we've talked about so far, and this will really bring everything into focus and help you start making those steps in the right direction. So here are five things that is, uh, I believe, that are fueling the disease that we are faced with in our nation today in the, in the lives of, of many people. Um, and it's based on what we've covered so far, but it's so important <clears throat> that we need to recap it. So number one, unhealthy meat. Unhealthy meat is a toxic choice if we factor in growth hormones, antibiotics, drug residue, pathogens, worms, biotoxins, and carcinogens from packaging as well as cooking. Remember, dirty dairy and messed up meat is not good for the body. And most dairy products have been tainted and altered. If poor choices are made in this area, more terrorists, the free radicals, oxidative stress, more terrorists are deployed into the body. And I'm not against healthy meat and dairy in moderation. I would have it not be the primary staple of my diet. I'm against toxic meat and dairy in abundance. If countries like Austria and France and in areas near the Mediterranean, heart disease is much lower than in America, even though they eat more fat. It's not necessarily the fat as well. We must look at all factors that cause inflammation and disease and then make decisions based on what we are finding. So most antioxidants found in meat and dairy come from the nutrient-rich plants that animals eat. If animals are fed genetically modified feed with zero life-giving benefits and injected with hormones and antibiotics, growth hormones, different things like that, these factors will lower their antioxidant output. In other words, there are some obviously good things you can get from meat and dairy, but if it's kind of like that scale, which had a scale here, it's, it's weighing the, you know, the good with bad. And in this case of dirty dairy and junk meat, messed up meat, it, it causes a lot of damage, I believe. And then number two, this is so important as well. If levels of sugar, such as high fructose corn syrup, dextrose, maltose, rice syrup, sucrose, and dozens more are added to the terrorism team. Remember, we're talking about terrorism, free radicals, oxidative stress, the junk in our system, toxins, the terrorists versus the Navy SEALs of the antioxidants, the phytochemicals, the things that fight disease, we don't want to keep equipping the terrorists with ammunition. We want to begin to disarm them. And so if you begin to add all these high levels of sugar, the enemy only grows. Increased levels of sugar intake, along with a substantial rise in meat or dairy consumption, could be one possible link to cancer. It's the one-two punch. I believe if you throw refined oils in there, that adds to the terrorism team. Dr. Joel Furman has noted this as well. High sugar intake releases insulin into the bloodstream, right? We talked about that. And then high levels of animal protein consumption, especially the unhealthy kind, can raise something called insulin-like growth factor one. It's IGF-1. You've probably been hearing, hearing that term a lot lately. IGF-1 is a hormone that is similar to insulin. 
it joins with growth hormone to reproduce and regenerate cells. Now that's really good when you're young and you're growing up and you need, you know, high levels of insulin like growth factor one, or, you know, if you're working out things like that, but when that level has risen up, it can also increase cancer cells too, the production and regeneration of cancer cells. And so this is great news if the cells are healthy, but bad news if they are cancerous. In short, excessive sugar sparks the flame of disease and the abundant IGF-1 throws gas on the fire. So you've got all this dirty dairy and messy meat, sinister sugar. They're just not good. We've already talked about all that. So if I just couldn't think of an acronym or, or whatever, a throwback on that one. If you add in all of this together, we can see why and how disease is reaching epidemic levels. Not to mention, a lot of this causes obesity. And then that adds a whole new level of problems when you're carrying extra weight, the body's working extra hard, the heart is working harder than it should, the liver and processing all of this food and, and what we drink, and then the, just the immune system is being taxed. And that's why we really got to make some big changes in these in these areas. And then number three, as I've mentioned before, if we add the refined vegetable oils to the terrorism team, we are equipping the enemy. Number four, add the failure to fast to the equation and the enemy gains an additional ground. Fasting invites SEAL Team 6 to the battle. Among other things, fasting starves the fuel source of free radicals because most toxins are released during the digestion of food, right? The toxins are contained in the food. And so it's released during the digestion of food. Or of course, what we, what we breathe as well can come into the body, especially the lungs and different things. So imagine, imagine what a bowl of junk cereal releases into your blood and your body compared to nothing being released when fasting. I believe that fasting slows aging for this very reason. It minimizes toxins while allowing the body to cleanse and rebuild. Granted, fasting will cause the body to release stored toxins as part of the cleansing process, but the body is being prepared for this, is designed for this. It's designed to release these and not keep taking them in. Number five, now if we throw inactivity into the battle, and the terrorists gain even more strength, our body will not function very well and for very long. Our bodies were not designed to sit for long periods of time. In a 2006 Harvard Medical School study, they made the following statement, which is so important. Exercise helps prevent the building up of plaque in the arteries. It keeps the arteries healthy by lowering LDL, which is the bad cholesterol, they say, uh, to me, it's good cholesterol because it brings cholesterol to these areas that need to be repaired. It's when you have too much of it. And then also boosts the HDL cholesterol that we need a higher ratio thereof. And it also helps by improving other factors such as high blood pressure, diabetes, ob obesity, stress, and various other factors that promote blood clots. We've got to be moving. We've got to be active. Preaching to myself, of course, it's hard for all of us. Inactivity often leads to weight gain and sluggish blood flow. Remember that every pound of fat requires, requires a few extra miles of blood vessels in your body. That's amazing. That's a lot of extra blood vessels, a lot of extra work on the heart. And so that does mean more work for the body, especially the heart. So lose the excess and bring in more reinforcements to your team. 
Time does not allow me to write about the additional factors such as stress, a lack of deep sleep, and living in a toxic world, but you can make some radical changes that will have radical results. Research the effects of stress, for example, on the body as well as how sleep affects our health, and you'll be amazed. And, and, and in addition to that, hydration and water. Now, if we combine all these factors, it's easy to see why disease has reached epidemic levels. Work on these areas, and you can change the course of the battle in your favor. More on meat, dairy, moderation, and fitness. Just as we are permitted to consume meat and dairy, we are also permitted to drink alcohol. That question comes up sometimes. But we all know the devastating consequences of overconsumption. So I want to be careful on this topic, and I think I'm going to talk a little bit more about it, or I've got books written on it. And, you know, if I were you, I would just, if, if there's even a slight problem, where you're having it too much or you're relying on it, I wouldn't even go there. Because a lot of times people, yeah, can I have a drink now and then? They say, well, yeah, it depends. What is now and then? I mean, if you know where your struggle is. And most people who ask me that have problems. They just, they just, you know, want to find that gray area, that fine line where others who have a drink now and then, they don't even think about it because it's not a problem for them. So I would, I would just, eliminate this alcohol from your diet if it were me. Again, none of us are perfect. We've we've all made mistakes. Uh, some of us in this area, uh, the key is to fall forward, get back up and keep fighting. So we know the devastating effects. Uh, does the same principle of moderation apply to meat and dairy? Hmm, interesting, right? You know, the Bible says, yes, it's allowed, but in moderation. So I'm wondering, just personal thought here, does that same principle of moderation apply to meat and dairy? Granted, meat and dairy is not going to get you drunk, but gluttony often has to do with meat, dairy, and sweets, if you think about it. I don't think we're getting, not too many people being gluttonous over fruit and vegetables and even beans, unless you have lots of sodium and things on it. But anyway, Weston Price discovered that there are groups of people eating primarily meat and dairy and who appear very healthy, their teeth and different things. And then there's others eating plant-based foods in other areas of the world. Both groups are healthy in the ones he studied. And of course, the ones that we have studied as well. Each of them have some evidence supporting their view. And I'm not going to go into that again. I've already went throughout throughout this, this book. Um, I've shared my thoughts. The key is that the food was not toxic or sugar laden. I think that's very, very important. So the meat, dairy controversy, the raw, organic, it was very clean food, God-given clean food. And ironically, as I was writing this section of the book, I think back in 2018, WebMD released this news. Researchers found that just a 10% increase, a 10% increase in ultra-processed foods led to a 12% higher risk of cancer. So what do we mean by that? Well, a lot of foods are processed. I mean, when we make some bread, it's processed. You've get, you can't just you know, grab some wheat and here's your bread. So there's, there's some amount of process that is normal and good. There's nothing wrong with it as long as you keep the, keep it in its natural state, keep the nutrients. You don't try to manipulate and pervert a lot of the things, how God designed it. And, and that's what actually a lot of ultra processed food is. It's ultra processed. It is toxic. It's laden with sugars and vegetable oils and chemicals. And so this group found again, WebMD, I believe it was 2018, a high processed food tied to higher cancer risk is the story they came out with. And it reminds me and you, of course, that we reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. So what are we sowing? What are we sowing into our lives? And that eventually we are going to 
reap. Now, this doesn't mean we live to be 120 and, and die like Moses. His, his eyes were not dim, nor his natural forces abated. And he was a strong man, 120. And, you know, and I'm not never going to get cancer. There are healthy people who get sick and diseased that we just don't understand the full ramifications. But we do know the majority, vast majority of people who do get sick often is diet and lifestyle related. Others that maybe are very healthy, you know, again, you'd have to dig deeper and see exactly what do they mean by healthy. I've known people who have said they eat real healthy vegan diets. And remember, you can have Oreo cookies on a vegan diet. So we don't know, you know, the study of epigenetics, how genes signal in, in your family line possibly. And there might be a predisposition to this, to a certain disease. And so we can't ignore those things. But I, I've always believed that although genetics loads the gun, lifestyle pulls the trigger. And that really is the determining factor. So if you choose the route of dairy and moderation of meat, there is compelling research supporting raw cow and goat milk. Many argue that pasteurization kills just about everything good. In August 2016, Vicki Batts wrote an impressive article for Raw Dairy Advocates. She said, the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology has shown that consuming raw milk will not, in fact, be a death sentence. Researchers, doctors, and other medical professionals from across Europe joined forces to investigate the effects of consuming raw milk and revealed that raw milk isn't just non-toxic, but also yields some impressive health benefits. Essentially, raw milk helps to decrease inflammation while processed milk creates more inflammation. Again, Vicki Batts writing for the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology back in 2018 or so. Not everyone can get raw milk. I know there are some stores, depending on where you live, that carry raw milk, raw dairy, you know, but where do they, just because it's raw also doesn't mean it's healthy. What are the animals eating is really what you got to find out. I try to get raw when I can. I've got friends that have goats and if I can get some raw goat milk and things like that, but it is difficult. This is not 100 years ago. It was very common, but now it's it's not. Many say that raw milk and honey are complete foods. It's interesting that God told his people that he would give them a land flowing with milk and honey. Exodus 33.3. A quick note about raw dairy. I want to say this as well. As with vaccines, research both sides and come to your own conclusion. Some say that the pasteurization process is designed to protect people from certain diseases and that it does not significantly reduce the nutritional content, but others disagree. Personally, I think ultra pasteurized is really heated up. Pasteurized is heated up, but then I think there's a minimal pasteurization process where they don't heat the milk to such a degree. So to me, it just makes, if you're going to heat it to such a degree that it kills all the bad bacteria, you're probably going to kill the good bacteria as well. Just assuming that. When certain foods are heated, they do lose nutritional benefits. But just how much is the question? I've seen a stark contrast in magnified images of raw milk compared to pasteurized milk. And the nutrients in the pasteurized milk appear damaged, if not dead. For your convenience, two opposing views are in my footnote of my book. Again, you can find it, Feasting and Fasting. It's available and all the links are in there as well. Links to sermons are in there as well too. And I find it ironic that many who are against raw dairy have no problem consuming raw sushi. Let that sink in. You know, what's that? The mic drop symbol. <laughs> Coming up here is some common objections to eating healthy and taking care of the body. Some may argue, you know, Shane, this is too hard. It really limits my diet. You are correct. Let me tell you up front, nothing 
worth having comes easily, including good health. But is it really that hard when compared to those who lived hundreds or thousands of years ago who had to hunt and gather their food and put everything together? No, it's not that hard at all when compared to them. It's actually very easy. We just don't want to do the work. In the past, one meal could take hours to prepare. We should be thankful we have it easy compared to past generations. Oh, it's too expensive, complains another. True. It is expensive, but so is cancer, open heart surgery, and chronic illness. Can we really put a price tag on good health? I mentioned stewardship at the beginning for this reason. It must come before enjoyment. I recently compared organic produce with other brands. Organic carrots were around $2 for a two-pound bag versus $1.49 for non-organic. Organic apples were about a dollar more per pound. Uh, and, and on and on it goes. You can find some good deals uh, out there from time to time. But yes, more often than not, I've seen organic prices uh, be double in many times. And parents, 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 we should fight for the health of our children, not contribute to their poor health. We are setting them up for failure before they even begin. It's hard, but it can be done. When the pantry and the refrigerator contain only food, guess what the kids will eat? A treat now and then should not be a staple in our homes. Yes, they will complain, but eventually they'll ask for carrots and apples versus Captain Crunch and Oreo cookies. Nursing moms, your diet will greatly affect the quality of life-giving milk. Choose wisely. I don't know anyone who eats perfectly, and our family is no exception. It's a daily struggle. As one example, we hosted a homeless outreach at our church in the winter, and I've talked about this before. I ate pizza with them one night and chicken the other. You know, I've made those compromises uh, often. When it comes to finances, it's all about priorities. Ending a coffee habit saved one man $200 a month just from stopping at his favorite coffee store. Now, if you add, hey, I bought some chocolate there, I bought some other things there, you know, you're up, you can be up $300 a month. Another saved 400 when he or she stopped smoking and eating fast food just for lunch. I knew one family who spent over 800 a month eating out. Now, we're probably up to 1,200, some families eating out. Granted, you know, some families are truly constrained. And again, God knows your heart. He will get you through. But do the best with what you have. For example, you can get a huge bag of organic beans at Costco or different places and, and soak them in, in very healthy food. And we can do it if we want to do it. Excuses will prevent the way discipline or knowledge will find the way. So in other words, our excuses will always prevent the way to finding success. There's no way we can make excuses about anything. Oh, you know, this is why I don't do it. And then we, we make excuses. So again, do the best with what you have. In general, you know, vegetables are way cheaper than meat and cheap food is often not good food. So, you know, and be strategic. I'll look for sales. I'm not going to go into all the different things because I have before, but you know, it doesn't have to be organic avocados or bananas, but it should be on things that are sprayed heavily, uh, organic tea, or organic decaf coffee, because it's not sprayed with herbicides, fungicides, all these things. Finding meat on sale at different places. You can talk to the butcher there and, you know, there's just, there's just ways to do it. If you want to do it, find a local farm. Again, in answering questions presented in the subtitle of my book, what works, what doesn't, and why it is very simple. What works? Well, here's what works. God's design and biblical principles work. What doesn't work? Neither fitness obsession nor indifference toward physical health works. Both are very harmful. Why do God's principles succeed? Because they are guardrails through the canyons of life. They don't prevent us from experiencing pleasure. They actually protect us from falling. To whom are we listening 
to whom are we listening? As we've learned, the perversion and altering of food is what causes damage. It takes the life, nutrition, and health out of our food. Sadly, most people are still listening to the world's influence. So I just want to throw out a few things right now. Do we have a gluten allergy or carbohydrate problem, or do we have a pesticide poison and chemical problem? We really need to ask these questions. And the common denominator in the different programs, you know, such as Forks Over Knives and Paleo and the ketogenic diet is often the promotion of healthy diet and lifestyle. So see, if you have a healthy diet and healthy lifestyle, even if it has meat and dairy, and the other one doesn't, you're going to see usually have see benefits because these are God-given foods, nutrient-dense foods, and you're increasing activity, you're losing weight, so you're going to feel better regardless of that plan you're on. Now, I'm going to talk obviously more about my own experience in the future. For those with you know forks over knives who've watched that, I think that was back down in you know, 2016, 17, in that in that area, I'm not really sure. We have to remember the the plant based group. You know, they have their 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 goals and their agendas. Some of it I don't agree with where things are going with buying up farmland and controlling and no meat and you know, there's some ulterior motives in there for sure. But then the meat and dairy industry, they have their lobbyists and documentaries as well, and they publish certain articles to promote their products. And so you do have both sides kind of at it. That's why I look to God's word and God's word alone. And most diets do not take God's design into consideration. That's where we're getting it wrong. Well, evolution, you know, during because of evolution or we were hunter-gatherers and we ate all this meat, what does God's word say about health, fitness, and diet? And I talked about that earlier, so I'm not going to go into details, but that's really what you, for me, that's my sanity. Oh, God's word says this, that's, that's my sanity. I'm not going to get caught up and try this diet, try this diet, try this diet, try this diet. Now for a season, I think some people should go keto. For a small season, if you want to just eat meat, you know, carnivore, try it out, you know, go for it. If you want to just go whole foods, plant-based for a while, I think that's a great idea. So it really depends on what God is doing in your own heart. What's your age? What are your risk factors? What are you trying to accomplish? What's your, you know, your body fat index? And there's, there's just so much to that. And we have to watch these areas. I mean, think about sugar, for example. At last count, there are 56 different names for sugar. And in the year, in the year 1800 or so, it was estimated that the average person consumed five to six teaspoons a day. Okay. Five or six teaspoons. Now, guess what? The average is today around 56 teaspoons today and even a large vegan cookie sometimes has 24 grams which is six teaspoons in a vegan healthy cookie guys we got to wake up and we got to avoid these types of things that are really detrimental disease is on the rise because we are deficient in the things that actually fight it and we lack vital information about maintaining good health maintaining good health right now is so important. So we need physicians and they need us. But remember, a lot of them are not trained in the area of nutrition. They're, they're trained in the area of uh, not prevention, but putting a Band-Aid on it for now. Okay, this is happening. Take the statin drug. This is happening. Take this drug. This is happening. Take Coumadin to thin your blood. The, instead of getting, we got to get to the root problem to really see change. And as stated before, when men age, they often hear, take the steroid to increase testosterone or women as well. And hormone therapy, you know, may be needed. I'm not, I'm not against it. Uh, and just a quick side note, when you hear TRT, testosterone replacement therapy versus steroids, and there's the really steroids are testosterone. So what testosterone replacement therapy is, it's usually under the guidance of a physician and you're taking 
the, the lowest, most effective dose possible just to regulate testosterone. Whereas with steroids, it's usually unchecked, unguarded. There's multiple types of, of uh, steroids being used, whether it's, it's testosterone and then the person's taking anadrol and then the person's going to maybe, you know, also add some decadurabolin and they're going to add some D-ball and they're going to add some Anavar in there and very dangerous to load up on that versus a physician overseeing, you know, maybe a male over 50 on testosterone replacement therapy. However, you have to remember testosterone replacement therapy is synthetic testosterone. It's synthetic. So as it's going into your body, normally as a man, your natural testosterone building mechanism will decrease. That's why in, in many cases, their testes, their testicles will actually shrivel up because there's no need for them because they're getting the synthetic testosterone. And that presents problems, I believe, as you get older, because then now you're relying on it. And, you know, what are some of the, the agents in the testosterone itself, uh, the, the, the mechanisms where the testosterone is delivered? What are they adding in the, the mixture there? You know, oil-based, water-based, and things like that. So we can't place all the blame on physicians. I want to end with this. They are trained to treat, not cure, and prevent. The bulk of responsibility falls on our shoulders. Let me say that again. The bulk of our responsibility falls on our shoulders. We must be vigilant. We must start today. We must fall forward and get back on track. Not about perfection, but direction. Even if I, as I sit here today, I have not made 100% great choices all week in this area, but I am shooting for 85, 90% of the right choices and those outbalance the bad choices. So I hope that helps as well. If you've enjoyed this episode of Idleman Unplugged, be sure to send us your ideas and topics for future episodes of the podcast. You can send us an email at westsidechristianfellowship.org or shaneidleman.com. Thank you for listening to us today and join us again on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Eidelman Unplugged. For more information, visit us at shaneidelman.com. Again, that's shaneidelman.com. El Paseo Publications proudly supports the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network. We are committed to quality and Christian publication. Free ebooks can be found at westsidechristianfellowship.org under free ebooks. Books such as What Works for Men and What Works for Young Adults will help readers understand that the obstacles ahead are never greater than God's power to take you through. Books such as What Works When Diets Don't and Feasting and Fasting demonstrate how health can be achieved from a biblical perspective. Other free books such as Answers for a Confused Church and Desperate for More of God show the importance of fully surrendering our lives to Christ. And One Nation Above God is a must-read for anyone concerned about the direction of America. Again, free downloads of these ebooks are available at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We are happy about partnering with the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network.